1: Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy? Better sleep? Blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime, and get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details.
2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: And we are live Welcome in, everybody, to another live episode simulcasting here on YouTube and Facebook of the Huddle Up Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we were just talking about, well, we'll we'll get to uh, the quarterback situation, what Vic Fangio said About Drew Locke here in just a few minutes. Also, we're going to talk about what John Elway said in response to that Jason Locke and Forer report. But in the aftermath of that nearly, I I would say it's a historic NFL loss. I mean, they're the (laughs) first team out of the last 100 to blow a 20 to nothing halftime lead. How are you feeling next day aftermath
4: following that? Um, I'm still feeling like they shouldn't have lost that game, but when you think back on it, it could be a blessing in disguise for this Broncos team. And I was asked on Twitter, can you give me one glimmer of hope for the Broncos going forward after such a bitter loss? They actually have a few glimmers. They have a young nucleus of talent. You have Cortland Sutton, Lindsay, Reisner, Fant, Johnson, Simmons. You have a potential franchise quarterback waiting in the wings. A lot of cap space next year, a lot of draft picks. And I'm not saying to root for the Broncos to tank. I'm not saying to root for a loss, but the more they lose, Lose. it's only going to help their draft position it's only going to help the broncos in the end and get drew lock on the field so looking back on it i'm not as devastated maybe as i was in the moment after that big collapse yesterday
3: yeah it certainly was a gut punch and you hate to see i mean it's one thing to lose a game right but honestly for the broncos that was an embarrassing loss and adding insult to injury is the fact that it was the fourth Fourth quarter lead the team had squandered this year. And this one, it was just monumental scale. Right. I mean, we're talking about a playoff caliber team, a seven and three Vikings squad that were 10.5 point favorites. The Broncos laid this smackdown on them in the first half, smothered everything they tried to do offensively, and then defensively just busted them wide open, exploited all the weaknesses. I mean, there was an article that Eric Trickle writes each and every week where he lays out the four areas of weakness of the coming opponent that the Broncos can exploit. And I don't know if they read that article or what, but they literally hit on each and every one of those in the first half, and then they completely went away from it. You know, there was some content that went up at milehighhuddle.com today touching on the fact that, you know, Everything they were doing well, all those things they were hitting on in the first half, they went away from it in the second half, which, you know, in the heat of the moment, it's we call it the gut reaction for a reason. Emotions are always running high. But in retrospect, and I blamed the gut reaction, I, was, I said, you know, push comes to shove back into a corner. I'm going to say his execution is the biggest culprit. You know what? The coaching failed the Denver Broncos. They were out coached in that second half. Big and time. even though Zach, we learned from Justin Simmons that that once they went hurry up in that third quarter, the Vikings that it really, to use his word, discombobulated the Denver Broncos communication. That's still no excuse. After that first series, when you knew they
4: were running hurry up, Zach, you should have had an answer. Plus, what do you expect? They were down 20 points at halftime. You think they're going to come out in the, in the third quarter and run the ball and kill the clock? No, they, the Vikings were going to come out with urgency and the Broncos should have been uh, prepared to launch a counterpunch, and they didn't do that. They got conservative. They started feeling themselves and, and resting on their lead. And in the NFL, until that final gun hits triple zeros, you cannot rest on any advantage. The Patriots-Falcons game is a perfect example of that. On any opponent, any given day, you have to step on their neck until that they're dead, until the game is officially over over and they just let their foot off the pedal. And that's what you see what happened. It was a historic loss, like you mentioned, Chad. But when you play like that, when you coach like that, it's ultimately unsurprising. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is a
3: lot to sift through here from an aftermath perspective. We're going to help Broncos country pick up the pieces and figure out where this team goes from here. First, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys, and we're going to get to Already two awesome Super Chat donations on tonight's podcast. First, a couple of really quick matters of business. I'll make it very quick, you guys, right here. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. So many of you have begun to funnel over to Twitter and are following the show. The numbers are getting beefed up. It's great to see. We appreciate it. And the reason you want to do that, for those who haven't yet, is it allows you... That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of the show. The links that go out when we go live, notifications, changes in programming, giveaways... All that stuff we do it through Twitter primarily. The content's always going to be here on YouTube, here live on Facebook, and then, of course, after the fact, through our podcast RSS feeds, wherever you listen to the show. If you listen after the fact, Apple Podcast, shout out to all our Apple Podcast listeners, Stitcher, Castbox, all that. But if you want to stay up to date on announcements, things like that, follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast
2: Network.
1: introducing the planet fitness guide to getting that post-workout glow step one what's your why more epic energy better sleep blow off steam step two join planet fitness for one dollar down ten dollars a month cancel anytime and get moving go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment step three bask in that post-workout glow join planet fitness today for one dollar down ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday october 14th it's Low time. Seek low for details.
3: All right, Zach. Let's uh, welcome in everyone who has joined the room. Stu, Noble, Young, Jeff Bailey, Eclipse, Stormborn, Ricky. What's up, Jeff? Larry, all you guys. What's up, guys? Welcome in. Appreciate you, Solomon, coming in off the top you, with Sally. a twenty-five dollar donation on Super Chat. And by the way, you guys, as you can see here, we talked about this on the Gut Reaction yesterday. But as you can see, with the magnificent. T-shirt, my co-host here, Zach. <laughs> One more time. You haven't seen okay, it let, yet. Let, let me remove it just for a sec. The front, hashtag football priest. You know we are your football priest. We offer you that absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions every, well, four four days a week you hear from <laughs> Zach and I. The back, of course, is the Huddle Up podcast logo. These shirts are co- going out starting second half of this week. We'll begin the mailing process yes. uh, to our biggest Super Chat donations Through the first, through these last two months, we've been talking about getting some merch up and going for the last couple months. We finally pulled the trigger. Zach put together the design, got it all ordered, got it sent out and shipped. And it's we're just scratching the surface. So first things for us, the priority is getting these shirts out to our super chat donators. And then pretty soon, you know, we're going to keep that as a thing. We're going to find new ways to reward those of our great listeners and live viewers who decide to support the show financially through super chat. And then, as we continue to grow, uh, we're going to list the the stuff went with through e-commerce, to go through Teespring or something like that, and give for anyone who wants to buy a shirt, a, a hat, or a hoodie, that's coming. So, just to give you a, a you know kind of a preview of what's to come for our super chat donator Solomon again, appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Also, we got uh, let me jump down here, Stuart McPeak coming in. I mean, you'll, you'll be getting a shirt, bro, for sure. Yes, yeah, Stu, you're getting a shirt. And in fact, Stuart, I need you to uh, contact us on through our email. Go to milehighhuddle at gmail.com and send me your personal details as far as your shipping address. I, saw, I tried to see if I could find it through YouTube, and they protect your information, so I couldn't get any contact info. Eclipse Stormborn, our friend from Philly. <laughs> I love this comment, Chad. Dropping in, he says, I asked my girlfriend to marry me. My dog, she <laughs> said yes. Congratulations, brother. I asked her my if my football priest
4: <laughs> so I love now. this <laughs> comment. That's great. She
3: said no. Uh she's a smart gal. She's a smart. We we'd have to go get one of those uh, you know, honorary right ordained, so, honor. yeah.
4: <laughs> for um, a temporary occasion.
3: Eclipse his question though. And by the way, congratulations, my friend. Yes. That is awesome. With that, will we see Theo Riddick this season or just another uh with and I'm not sure what you meant there at the end, but as far as Riddick. No, unless something changes with Drew Locke's trajectory, Zach. You know, the Broncos only get two designations to return off IR. They've already used one of them on Tim Patrick, and my goodness, did Tim Patrick storm back onto the scene with Gusto in Minnesota. That second one is precious to the team. They're, they've earmarked it for Drew Luck, but they've yet to commit to whether or not they're actually going to use it. They're keeping the possibility open, Zach, of using that on another player, it could be Theo Riddick, it could be Jake. But I doubt it. But either case, it's got to be Drew Locke. I think this was a one and done. And, you know, we got one. We got like what was it? A dozen snaps from Theo Riddick after he signed that two and a half million dollar deal. <laughs> Injures his shoulder in the preseason, and that's all she wrote. I'll be surprised if he ever, if you ever see him in orange and blue again.
4: It's unfortunate that three players on the offensive side all got injured and they couldn't carry them all. They couldn't designate them all with Locke, Patrick, and also Theo Riddick. But Chad's right. They have one spot left, and they would just be insane not to give that to Locke and get him on the field. If they're going to keep him on the shelf to promote Theo Riddick, a backup running back, and they have three on the roster, it would take Elway's incompetence to a new level to me. So, yeah, um, they have Booker now, who I think they're working into the offense when we saw him on the field a little more on yesterday's game. But it, like Chad said, barring injury. They're good at running back. They need a quarterback of the future, hence Drew Locke.
3: Dylan, dropping in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Dylan. We'll keep up the work, Dylan. You keep uh, showing up on these Super Chats and listening to the podcast, and we will continue to bring you these deep dives each and every day. Yes, sir. You brought up Booker. This is something that stuck in my car. I think I mentioned it last night after the game, but that third and seven right before the McManus missed 43-yard field goal, you go, okay, even if you are going to quote-unquote give up on a play and go with a run like that on third and seven because you're playing not to lose, you're you know, you're know playing conservative, you're like, well, we're already in field goal range. Worst case scenario is we kick it and uh, we get three points. If you're going to give up, why give that handoff to an ice-cold Devontae Booker mm. as opposed to a Royce Freeman who was absolutely crushing it, was in a groove the whole time. The entire game, Royce Freeman was really – having a lot of success every time he touched the ball on the ground.
4: That I just didn't understand, Zach. That's a really good point. I didn't think of that either. But that's Scangarello, I think, outsmarting himself or getting too cute. It's the same as on the goal line uh, on that last drive. Nothing to Phillip Lindsay in the flat. Nothing outside. He force-fed the ball uh, multiple times to the same target, and that's why you saw they didn't get in the end zone. It was just Scangarello being a, a rookie coordinator, and he just has a tendency to either go away from what works or not put the right personnel on the field. I didn't think of that, Chad, but... It's a good point there.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it just, it's, it bothers me. And just one of those, the many coaching decisions, I mean, the personnel decisions, right. you don't know which, if that was a Curtis Modkins decision to all of a sudden throw Booker into the equation, or I don't know if it was Scangrell. I don't know what the decision was there, but it was questionable to say the least. And, and yeah, Eclipse, it's looking like two and a half million bucks wasted on Theo Riddick to, I mean, just like with Callahan. So that right there, Zach, you add that up. That's nine and a half million dollars on the 2019 salary cap. Completely pissed down the drain like Gonzo. Like, let's go take a trip down the interstate (laughs) with nine and a half million bucks and just start. Dump it away. Window we go. Make it rain. Broncos might as well have done that
4: because that nine and a half million dollars did them no good. And they're still paying Case Keenum in dead money. I think it was 7 mil this season. So their their, their financial, uh, their uh, their payroll this year has not been properly organized. It's unfortunate because Riddick was an upgraded version of Booker in this offense. And we we like what we saw from him. But uh, they just have to promote the potential franchise quarterback over a backup running back. It's just, it's the most common sense decision in the entire world.
3: All right, let's uh, shift gears for a minute and touch on Two storylines that have emerged since Zach and I were with you last. First and foremost, we'll do it in chronological order. So, for those who missed it, the Denver Broncos woke up in Minneapolis to a, let's just, I'll just use the word, bombshell report from Jason and Fora of CBS Sports, which basically called into question Vic Fangio's competency, cast him in a very unflattering light, cast him as a, Overbearing, domineering first-time head coach that doesn't know what he's doing, that's stomping all over the offensive coaches, negative about every single play call in the headset to Rich Scangarello, et cetera. All right, we've 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 already refuted that. There's a lot of written content up at milehighhuddle.com. You can go learn more about that there if this is news to you now. But Mike Kliss, of course, Nine News, Denver Broncos insider, who is very well tied into, connected to the Elway front office, he got a couple of quick quotes from Elway on the topic of that CBS Sports Report. And, Zach, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. First off, Elway said, quote, it, this is Elway in response to the Fangio CBS Sports Report, quote, Let me tell you this. Vic is fair and straightforward, period. He's the head coach, and it's okay for him to give his opinion. And then he went on to say also, Elway, quote, If you're happy with things and worried about criticism, you are in the wrong position expletive game. Maybe it was Dan, maybe it was F. I don't know what he said. It's not a personality contest. It's about winning closed quote. So Zach Elway going to bat a little bit for Fangio. And I think, you know, it's fair what he said, that second comment that, you know, in, in the NFL, you can't be content with where you're at. Even if the Broncos were currently sitting at seven and three, instead of three and seven, you, you always have to be pushing for more. You always got to be putting wood on the fire, so to speak. And you certainly can't be worried about outside criticism.
4: But what else is Elway really going to say? I mean, not only is Fangio the coach of the Broncos and he's in his first year and, and the Broncos reflect on Elway, but Fangio was another hand chosen Elway coach, an Elway pick, and he doesn't want any outside media or anyone slandering that pick. Again, it comes back to Elway's ego and the position he put himself in as the czar of the Broncos. Um, I don't expect him to say anything else. He wasn't going to come out and say, yeah, that report has some credibility to it. I agree with it. He's only going to refute it, and uh, as strongly as he did, I think he went out of his way because he doesn't want any of this reflecting on himself.
3: It could very well be exactly as you say. But the one thing I'll say about that report, again, that uh, to me, and I know a lot of my colleagues in Denver media will say the same, it's hard not to draw – I don't know, parallels that the source here was Emmanuel Sanders. Now the lock and forward report uses a Sanders anecdote, but the other thing that I, about walking out on the team and kind of forcing his trade and all that, the one thing I don't like about this particular article, there's a lot, there's a few things I don't like, but the biggest thing I don't like is it's one thing to use a unnamed source as information, journalistic integrity. I mean, it it depends on what type of story it is. Usually you want to have, a couple of even if they're uh, anonymous sources you need to have a couple of sources at least three if in a perfect world giving you a certain amount of information before you go public with it but if you are going to use an unnamed source Zach if you're going to go on the record and use a quote hmm. put the person's name in it I mean right. use if the person's not willing to give you his name then don't use the quote Now it's one thing to hear say things like you know I've been told, or sources close to the situation intimate that, you know, a general feeling, but to use a specific quote and then not attach the name,
4: that to me is icky. I guess Lock and Four wanted his source to talk to him in the future. so He's not going to out him. It very well could be been Emmanuel Sanders. It could be a keep to leave. It could be Chris Harris Jr. who's kind of disgruntled. It could be Von Miller making waves under, underneath the surface. We don't really know. I'm sure a little bit has some credence to it. I'm sure at some point um, some players were frustrated. I'm sure at some point Fangio rubbed them the wrong way. But as a whole, I think it was very overblown. And that's kind of what Lock and Four's track record has been. That's why I said not to put too much stock into that singular report. He's just been one of those guys trying to be
3: like Adam Schefter, trying to be the Ian Rappaport. Trying. But every time he swings, man, he just can't hit the curveball, I guess. You know, <laughs> right. So good way to put it. Anyway, let's uh shift gears here, talk about what Fangio said specifically. I want to read two things here to, to our viewers and listeners here. First and foremost, I want to touch on what he said actually about the performance of Brandon Allen, if I can find the quote here. Give me one second. Well, I'll circle back to that and get to the Drew Locke. Basically, what he said is, with regard to Drew Locke, on whether or not the plan for Locke will be any different than last week, quote, no, we'll continue what we did last week, get him reps both on the scout team and get him some reps with the first-team offense and see how he's progressing, close quote. uh, quote. And then on the follow-up question, of course, it was, whether it's possible that Locke could be the backup against Buffalo, Fajardo said, "quote Unlikely, but possible." Close quote. Now, Zach, my question is: If there was, if if you're a fan in Broncos country who hopes and is wanting Drew Locke to start in Week 13 at home against the LA Chargers, if he's not the backup this week, meaning on the sideline, going through the warmups pregame, like going through the whole entire process that. It, preparation aspect of even just being the backup because the backup has to prepare like they are going to start it really decreases the odds Zach, that they're going to give him the opportunity to all of a sudden go from ir to starter right. in Week 13 so and i'm glad that fangio didn't completely kibosh it i'll be i'll be stunned if he ends up being activated to be the backup but he at least left the
4: door open I mean, I understand why he's doing it. I think Brandon Allen deserves one more start to see. It's the third. I mean, he had one good one, uh, one yeah, not-so-good one, and this one can, can tell us a little more about him. I just don't like how Fangio left the door open for not to even activate Locke at all. You don't have to hide your cards that closely. We all know he's going to play. We all know the Broncos have to see him this year, so why even entertain that? Why even be that secretive? You're out of playoff contention. You just come off an embarrassing loss. You literally have nothing left to lose and everything to gain by playing Drew Locke. So it's a matter of time, but it's looking like based on their comments, based on the way they've handled him for six months, he's going to get maybe two or three starts this year. Definitely not enough time to see what we have. I think ultimately for 2020, this is the overtime podcast network.
1: Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time.
5: See club for details. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you could make an argument that a five-game audition is a large enough sample size. It's more than a quarter of the season to get a good evaluation and give you a good feel for is this the guy, have we seen enough to at least give us any empirical evidence that this could be the guy where we could go into the 2020 draft, completely remove quarterback off the table as a top-end need of this roster and focus on building the nest around Locke. I think a five-game audition gives you that. Two games, one game, I mean – The situation with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City was the exception. It really was to the rule. You need a little bit more of a sample size. It's more like what the L.A. Rams got with Jared Goff back in 2016, I believe it was, where he he started seven games and he went 0-7 as a starter. But, you know, it got him his live bullet experience, uh, A, and B, for that team, even though they had just used the number one overall pick on him, making it very unlikely they would then go draft a quarterback in the first round. But still – It gave them an evaluation to know how they needed to build the team around him, what to do in the draft in terms of building the nest, how to approach free agency. It gave them that information and that intelligence. One or two games probably wouldn't have done it the same way.
4: That's why Drew Locke needs to get out on the field. What's crazy to me is the Broncos are are faced with the possibility of giving Brandon Allen as much audition time. Brandon Allen, this is a a backup level prospect, as much audition time as your guy you traded up for in the second round. A guy that could be the potential future of your franchise for a decade plus. You're going to put him under Brandon Allen and then give him less audition time, possibly overall. It doesn't make sense at all. It just... I can't wrap my head around not putting him on the field. You have nothing left to lose at this point. If he was winning, if they would have upset the Vikings, fine. Play that long game with Drew Locke. But now, why rush the process and delay the inevitable? It's just hurting you in the long term.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, this entire season, the way the team has handled Drew Locke has been inexplicable. There's just no way to rationalize it, with the exception of the explanation being the Denver Broncos simply did not plan to have Drew Locke be a mm-hmm. part of the equation in 2019. They thought it was going to work out okay with Joe Flacco. They could give Locke his rookie year, kick the can down the road, and worry about the Locke question in terms of is he ready to play and all that stuff in 2020. But Joe Flacco, A, fell completely flat on his face, was a complete bust of a move for the Denver Broncos, and B, got hurt, thus forcing the issue. The Broncos had no choice in that sense. So Paul dropping in with a $20 donation Thank on you, Super Chat. Paul, you're another guy that uh, reach out to me on social media or hit me up at, on uh, Gmail, milehighhuddle at gmail.com and give me your personal deeds so that we can arrange with you to get you a T-shirt. Um, all right, let me grab this, this quote. I found it here on what Fangio said about Brandon Allen's performance because I think we should give Allen some props for the way he has battled in these his first two starts. But we can't get too out too far out over our skis. Here's what Fangio said in regards to his performance against the Vikings. Quote, good. That was a tough environment, as you guys, most of you were there, I'm sure, c- can attest. It can get loud there. I thought he did well. I thought he handled the huddle well. There were a couple times where he was having a hard time hearing the communication in his helmet from the coaches. That's that what that one timeout was uh, for on the fourth and one in the fourth quarter. But overall, I thought he did well handling the environment and Zach close quote. I would concur that. I think he did a great job handling the pressure of the moment. He was one play away from being the hero there at the end. He had three opportunities to punch the ball in from the four yard line. Couldn't quite get it done. He showcased again, that mobility to pick up some tough yards, including that fourth and one in the clutch where they play fake to the left. He booted out and picked up the first down, picking up 11 yards along the way but you saw the issues with accuracy at times. You saw the lack of arm strength on that interception to Noah Fant. We don't know exactly what happened there, but you can see he just doesn't have the oomph on his arm that a player like Drew Locke has and some of the stronger arm quarterbacks in the NFL. What was your overall evaluation on Allen Week uh, Week Eleven?
4: As I said on the pod, I think he played fairly well. He didn't blow me away. I mean, he didn't do anything to win the game for the Broncos. I think it was a minor step back from that Browns performance. But when you keep it in perspective, it was his second career start on the road against a really good team. I mean, I think he did pretty well overall. I mean, my only thing is with Fangio, the things he listed were intangible qualities, pocket composure and presence. I want to see the physical qualities. I want to see the tangible qualities that separate a backup quarterback like Allen to a potential friend. Franchise quarterback like Drew Locke, and that I want to see the arm talent. I want to see him hit that Cortland Sutton bomb and not miss him and not flutter balls, and I want to see excitement back there. I thought Allen played a, a C game, an average game. He wasn't the worst. He wasn't the best, but they can definitely improve at that position, and they have to.
3: The one thing I've liked so far about Allen is that in both games that he has started for the Broncos, he has been unafraid to challenge the defense vertically, and he knows how his bread gets buttered. He's getting the ball to Noah Fant, he's getting the ball to Cortland Sutton, and then as we saw in uh, Minnesota, he got the ball to Tim Patrick. Three playmakers down the field, all of whom had receptions that went for twenty yards or more. I like that mentality because we were used to seeing a, you know, the way that Flacco played those first eight games. Again, I remind our viewers and listeners he was the thirty third. Uh, ranked quarterback when it comes to aggressiveness. He wasn't pushing the ball downfield beyond 10 yards, and he wasn't trying to fit the ball into tight windows. He was number 33, according to next-gen stats, before he suffered the neck injury and was done. We're seeing a completely different mindset. And it comes down to, you know, fire in the belly and what you got between the ears. And Allen is taking chances. And so, and that's what it takes in the NFL. You're taking, um, you know, your risk, but they're measured risks. You know that if you throw it up, to Cortland Sutton on a deep ball going 40 plus yards, you know, even if he's double covered, you're taking a risk, but you know that Cortland Sutton is one of those rare talents in the NFL who is, that's not just a 50, 50 ball. That's a 70, 70 uh, uh, opportunity. Anyway, uh 70, 30 opportunity for him to go up and grab the ball. So I like that aggressive mentality that we're seeing and he's feeding the playmakers but you're just not seeing that dynamic talent. You know, some of the intangible aspects are there, as Fangio pointed to, as you alluded to. But we're not seeing that raw talent because he doesn't really have it. He's a he's a backup level quarterback in the in the NFL. He's a Trevor Simeon with probably a little bit bigger cashews to use your verbiage there, Zach, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a little bit better athleticism. Now, George Fox, we'll get to some of the comments and questions from our viewers here uh, as we wind down this episode. Do you think Week 13 ultimately is Drew Lock time, or do you think it's going to be Week 16?
4: It's looking like later in the season, maybe Week 14 at the earliest right now, but he would have to be on the roster already. He would have to be the backup already, I believe, to be in position to be the Week 13 starting quarterback. Like Chad said, he's not going to go being uh, not even activated off IR to being the starting quarterback just yet. They're going to be a a, a process to his, to his ascension to starter, and it's not happening just yet. So I would be surprised, Chad, if Week 13 was Drew Lock time.
3: Costa says, "Do you think Fangio and Rich Scangarello will be on the hot no. seat soon?
4: No. I really don't. No, you can't not hot seat for a first-year head coach. Maybe Vance Joseph was this exception of that, but Fangio, he really has done a lot of good with this defense. You know, yesterday's collapse notwithstanding, he has some good pieces in place. And and Scangarello, they're both first-time." coaches in their positions, you can't bail on them after one year. You have to have consistency for at least two seasons, and they're going to go into 2020 with both coaches. You need that continuity.
3: And remember, even though Elway tried to move on from Vance Joseph after that failed 2017 season, tried to get Mike Shanahan in, had a deal in place according to uh, Woody Page, and it has since been confirmed in so many ways. Um, But you got to remember, that version of the Denver Broncos under Joseph in his first year I mean, we're talking about an eight-game losing streak. There was no hope in sight. I mean, that was as ugly a football as you've seen in Denver ever. And so Elway was scrambling, you know. Vance Joseph, those two years he was head coach, the Broncos would go into one week, you know, battle, keep it close, and then get blown out the next, basically. Fangio, with the exception of the Green Bay game, with the exception of that game, Fangio has got the Broncos in each and every contest with a very young roster and lack of depth at some really key issues where the injury bug has struck them. And I think the general feeling, I know fans are looking for scapegoats and I don't blame you, but I think the general feeling is that Fangio has this team on the right track. What he needs right now is time to Mm. continue to imprint, not only his way and his style on this roster and the team, but time to get the right personnel in the right situations uh, across the roster to fit what he's trying to do, both defensively and what is doing offensively. So he needs time, Zach, and he needs a franchise quarterback. And those are the two things that John Elway happens to be in a position to deliver. I think that uh, Fangio's going to get the time. It's just a matter of now, how soon do they get Drew Locke on the field so that they can answer the question of whether or not he is that franchise quarterback.
4: Now, you said that perfectly, Chad. I don't really have anything else to add to that. I will say that Elway and Fangio have to be on the same wavelength. We've talked about it at length multiple times, but he's picking the groceries, Elway, and all Fangio is doing is being in the kitchen. They have to know what groceries are coming in, what groceries are going out, and if it's going to mesh with their system, mesh with their recipe, so to speak, if they can get on the same page and kind of shake off that uh, Fangio paying his dues to his boss and kind of taking some of that formality away, uh, I think Fangio would be a good coach for a little while for the Broncos.
3: Russell says, let's get the elephant out of the room. What do you think of the ref calls on the last three plays of the game? Zach, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Tim Patrick after the game was asked directly about those final three plays in the end zone. He said that the play that he went up, that Trey Wayne's, you know, battled at the catch point. You could see there was some contact before the ball got there. And according to Patrick, Wayne's grabbed his face mask and thus, Twisted his head to where he couldn't see the ball. And Fangio, after the game, said, Look, you know, I couldn't quite see everything. He was being the diplomat after the game. And you have to be careful as a head coach on what you say publicly about the refs or the NFL is going to tag you with a fine. So they have to be diplomatic. But Fangio said that, Look, we know that uh, at the end of the game, refs are kind of told from the NFL front office that let them play unless it's egregious. So, my question to you, piggybacking on what Russ is asking there, Zach, did you see
4: anything there that was egregious enough that you think the Broncos got robbed? In the moment, I mean, I can understand why the refs let him play. You can call holding or defensive pass interference or legal contact on almost every passing play in the NFL. I I thought I saw some contact with my eyes, but I don't think in real time in a boom-boom kind kind of situation was it enough for the ref to throw the flag. I will say on the last fan play, he got away with massive offensive pass interference. It was blatant there. They didn't throw a flag either. So it seemed like the refs in that moment wanted to let the players play and not become the story which i always agree with chad
2: this is the overtime podcast network
5: not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the biden administration's pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies joe biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine they push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair
3: By the way, Vitron, congratulations. You might be the first MHH <laughs> listener to uh, watch pod from the TV. Maybe. Um, Dion, the answer is no. The Broncos don't have to wait any amount of time. They're choosing to practice lot for a couple of weeks. They can wait as long as 21 days before activating him or being forced to keep him on injured reserve. They could have activated him. A long time ago. They don't have to wait for anything. Adnan, uh, Ad- Adan, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. He says, uh, do you believe that Andy Janovich's injury will keep the offense from improving? Zach, there are some metrics out there. There was a very illuminating uh, tweet stream uh, thread, I guess is the right word from Andrew Mason on uh, Monday that showcased the difference in Denver Broncos offensive production when Jano's on the field. And when he's not, there is a, palpable difference it's going to set the team back a little bit especially in the running game but I don't think
4: by any stretch it's end of the world I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's not going to help the running game for sure. He's he was that battering ram and the lead blocker. And Andrew Beck, his replacement, likely is not the same type type of player. It's also going to hurt the Broncos' special teams. But he's definitely not a, a a deal breaker for Denver. He's not a fatal blow losing him. Good player to have, but uh, this offense, if they get some stable offensive line play, some good quarterback play, it's not going to matter who's on the field, Chad.
3: Eclipse jumping back in with five dollar donation on Super Chat. Yeah, the the thing with Jano is dislocated elbow, done for the season. Yeah, he's done. So Fangio did, yes, and you you could hear him cry out in pain when he hit the ground and the force and weight of both himself, his own body, and the body of that tackler. I don't know if it was Eric Kendricks. I can't remember which tackler it was that landed on him. Came crashing down right on that elbow. It was the perfect storm and pop, and you could hear him cry out even through the TV broadcast, and so he's done, and Zach – Fangio did say on Monday, there was questions on, well, you got George Aston, the undrafted rookie from Pittsburgh, chilling on the practice squad, running scout team. Is this the opportunity to get him on the active roster? That's not going to happen. Fangio said that Andrew Beck, the rookie they got off waivers from the Patriots at the start of the season, he's going to go back to being the fullback like he was those first three games before Jano uh, got back when
4: he had that peck injury coming out of preseason. That's right. And it makes sense, too, because he can play fullback on running downs and he can be a tight end on passing downs. He offers the versatility there. So you're getting two players in one pretty much. I agree with this move. He has experience in the starting offense. He'll slide right back in. He's a downgrade from Jano. But again, Jano's loss isn't going to make or break the Broncos offense improving or progressing. It's just a minor setback.
3: All right, let's grab a couple more, and then we will bid you guys a good evening, let you enjoy Monday Night Football. Glenn says, when do we start talking contract extensions with Cortland Sutton and Phillip Lindsay?" I realize they are second-year guys, but do we want to risk them skipping town? Glenn, it's, a, it's natural for you to want to do anything you can right now to keep those two studs in the stable. However, the Broncos have plenty of time with both guys. Sutton, it's not even a, a a question until he's entering his fourth year. So he's got another season or so to continue to produce, a uh, season and a half, let's say, before the Broncos start putting something together. Lindsey, they're going to have to face that one a little bit sooner because I, if I'm not mistaken, we researched this a couple weeks ago. Off the top of my head, I think he's restricted free agent this spring. And then or he might be an ERFA, exclusive rights. Either way, the Broncos have control of him for two more seasons uh, after this. But with restricted free agent tag, and you know, there's always a risk of another team like you saw with C.J. Anderson a few years back in the Miami Dolphins swooping in, signing him to an offer sheet in which the Broncos have to decide whether or not to match. So I think you're still about at least one year from either one of those guys getting locked up.
4: And if the Broncos were smart, they would sign them well in advance as soon as they can because their value is only going to go up, especially for Cortland Sutton. That guy is making more money every single week. I can see Philip Lindsay giving the Broncos a little bit of a hometown discount for taking a chance on him being the hometown kid. But Cortland Sutton is going to get paid from someone. I hope it's the Broncos, and if they're smart, they'll do it early, as early as possible. couple of awesome
3: comedians in the uh, audience tonight. <laughs> Clips our friend in Philly. Is Bulls is an illegitimate child of a John Elway mistress or something. He <laughs> Could is, be. Uh, weakest link, and then we got Paul over here. Did Locke hit on Elway's <laughs> wife wait so long to play him? I know. I mean, that's what we're faced with, right? These these comedic um, questions, even though we know it's not serious, obviously. But, I mean, you're wondering what in the heck. Both situations are inexplicable. I guess with Bulls, you can at least say that, you know, if if Juwan James had not been the lemon that he has been as in his first year in Denver – that would at least have freed up the Broncos to seriously consider or at least have a viable alternative to Bowles. You could put James at left or you could put Elijah Wilkinson at left. Elijah Wilkinson in the preseason, I know he's going against second and third teamers, but he looked good at left tackle in the preseason with the exception of one game. But now your only other option is what's the kid, Jake Rogers and Calvin Anderson, who's not dressed one time yet. So They have a plausible excuse that they just don't have any other options with Bowles, which is why, Zach, I think you haven't seen movement when push comes to shove. I get it. Always pride, first-round pick, don't want to get egg on the face, all that. But I think you'll see how the team truly feels about Bowles in 2020. You're going to see them either through free agency or the draft bring in a bona fide blue-chip left tackle, and Bowles in his contract year will be relegated to swing tackle duties.
4: We can only hope. And I'm sure it's killing Fangio. I'm sure Fangio wants to get Bowles out of there, but between Elway's marching orders and the Broncos having no one left on the roster, uh, they just have to roll with them for now and survive Garrett Bowles being Garrett Bowles. I will add though that it's pretty sad, Chad. The Broncos are coming up with, Broncos fans are coming up with these type of excuses to rationalize why Bowles, their franchise supposedly left tackle is still playing for them. It's pretty sad the state of affairs. In only three seasons, he went from being a hype first round pick to a I hated Broncos player.
3: I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt for a long time because, you know, I respected that athletic upside that he displayed at the Combine, but he just has not shown even one step forward in terms of progress. He'll go a game or two avoiding the, you know, face-palming penalty or, you know, egregious pressure or hit on a quarterback sack, whatever. And then he just pops back up, and it's been the same story in 2017 – to 2018 to 2019 rich jumping in with a five dollar donation on Appreciate you, rich. not as much as we love you bro we love you too um let's grab one or two more and then we'll call it a night here from our friend jl avenger down in costa rica he says uh ol question why is calvin anderson not playing any chance for him is valuable and is theoretic going to stay next year mile high salute from paradise Good to see you, my friend. Uh, We already touched on Theo Riddick. My opinion is he's one and done in Denver. Can't rule out the possibility, but we'll see where that goes. Calvin Anderson, he's an undrafted rookie that the team liked as a developmental upside guy, and he's on the roster. He's on the 53 because they need uh, another oh, crap um, option in case things go sideways on a week-to-week basis. But, I mean, if something happens at this stage, if James continues, Zach, to be nicked up with that knee. I mean, at this point, why not just put him on injured reserve? I mean, this is getting ridiculous, but I digress. If something were to happen to Bowles or Wilkinson, you got Jake Rogers is probably the next tackle into the fray. Not probably. He would be. And then
4: if James is still banged up, Calvin Anderson's your only other option. I'm going to take a guess and say that from what Anderson's shown in practice is he's very far off from being a starting caliber player. The Broncos feel anyway, he must be a very project type guy, but I agree with you. I mean, why not test him out there in a lost season? It's all about development for 2020 and beyond. Try these tackles out. We always, you know, kill Elway for not playing or having developmental guys behind the starters. This is that chance. And he's just a healthy scratch every week. So he's obviously not showing something in practice. It's just unfortunate that again, We're in this situation where we're rooting for Calvin Anderson to step up and replace the first-round pick Garrett Bowles.
3: I would love if Andrew Thomas is wearing the orange and blue next year. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the draft. Nevette's last one, guys, and then we're going to sign off for tonight. He says, am I wrong to be really optimistic about next year? We appear to be developing a good young nucleus. I feel like we are a bad team now, but honestly not that far away. And and you know what, Nivets, that's how Vic Vangio feels. He feels like they're getting close. He talked about it today. And I do think the Broncos are getting closer and they're learning, they're very much having to relearn how to win as a team. You know, the Von Millers, one of the, and Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. are three of the few holdovers left from Super Bowl 50. Everyone else is here, joined the team during these dark years, and they're having to relearn how to win. Banjo's having to start the culture over from scratch. And we are seeing, Zach, those young Nucleus players really emerge. The only thing missing from this equation to completely get on the optimism uh, train
4: for next year, I think, is the quarterback question. Just imagine the Broncos never wasted eight starts on Joe Flacco. Just imagine if they started Brandon Allen or Locke or anyone else, if Locke was healthy other than Joe Flacco, what would the record be? There are a couple close calls, a couple referee calls, a couple bad bounces away from being 5-5 and or better. So yes, you have a reason to be optimistic. We talked about the nucleus of players they have in place. They are a quarterback away. For being a playoff team again, they have the defensive coaching. They have a lot of uh, supporting talent, but they are one franchise quarterback away from being not only a playoff contender but a consistent contender. They have the, the talent elsewhere, but like Chad always talks about, the game starts and ends with your quarterback.
3: Got to get Drew Lock on the field. You got to know as close as you can to a, get as close as you can to an answer. I think is what I'm looking for on whether or not he's your guy to build around for 2020 and beyond. And uh, I just. Got a message here on Facebook from a listener, Travis. He has a question. Sorry, buddy, you're out of time, and you got to leave your question in the comment stream, and we can get to it. We can put you on the screen. We can do the whole nine yards. Um, So sorry about that, buddy. He's messaging me on Facebook. That's what you got to do. Get your message in on the stream. But, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us here on this live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook, whichever uh, platform you're listening and viewing the show massive mile high salute to our super chat yes. donators guys. Thank we're going to be putting something together here this week, reaching out to you in terms of getting you your shirts, our, our biggest super chat donators. Appreciate you guys that Zach and I, each and every time each and every podcast we do with you guys are great listeners in Broncos country. We are just completely overwhelmed by your support. We love you guys. Yeah. Thank but you guys
4: you- for all your support.
3: Absolutely. In the meantime, you guys make sure you are following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. And you can find, of course, my partners at Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. Those of you who are listening to this podcast after the fact are listening on Tuesday. Enjoy the pod. And on Wednesday, you will have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos with Nick, Kendall, and Carl Dumbler. And eventually we'll start working those guys into the rotation here with the live stream uh, and getting you guys an opportunity to talk to them in real time as well. That's coming down the pike, so stay tuned for all the great content we have planned for you here with Mile High Huddle and on the Huddle Up podcast stream. For Zach Kelberman, Zach, have a good night, my brother. You too. See you Wednesday. I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys Wednesday night right here again on YouTube and Facebook, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Book it. We'll talk to you guys then. Have a good uh, start to your week, everybody.
2: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
5: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.